0: Welcome to Red Maryland's Election Focus, a podcast focusing on the 2018 Maryland state and local elections with interviews with candidates, leading political consultants, and political newsmakers. Here's your host, Greg Klein.
1: Hello and welcome to an all-new installment of Red Maryland's Election Focus. I'm your host, Greg Klein. Tonight, four great candidate interviews for you. After the break, you'll hear from Melanie Harris, who is running for the Maryland House of Delegates in District 12, Later on, you'll hear from Tony Campbell, who is running for the United States Senate for Maryland, and then a couple more delegate candidate interviews, Kevin Leary, running for the House of Delegates in District 8, and Justin Kinsey, running in District 42. All that after the break here on Red Maryland's Election Focus.
0: You can subscribe to all of our Red Maryland Network programming on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and the TuneIn Radio app. You can also listen to the Red Maryland Network by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash redmaryland. Or visit the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com.
2: Do you think public buildings in the state of Maryland are unsafe for birds? Yes, birds, While well, your lawmakers in Annapolis do. In fact, they've introduced House Bill 986, which would require the Department of General Services to establish standards for public buildings to, quote, minimize adverse impacts on birds. Yes, that's the exact language from the bill. Well, whether you think this is a good idea or a complete waste of time, there's a new app that makes engaging your elected officials on issues like this one easier than ever. It's called Civics, spelled C-V-X, and it puts government in the palm of your hand. With Civics, you can do a number of things, including read the full, unaltered text of bills making their way through Annapolis, get direct phone numbers and emails for your legislators there, and even keep track of upcoming elections and research who is running. Civics is the last political app you will ever need. You'll have no more excuses to not contact your elected officials and hold them accountable. And part of the app proceeds go to support nonpartisan civic literacy efforts. It's easy to download. Just go to www.cvx4u.com. That's cvx4u.com to download it. The iPhone version is out now. The Android version will be coming out this spring. Again, that's www.cvx4u.com. Civics, it puts government in the palm of your hand.
1: Welcome back. We're joined now by Melanie Harris, who is running for the Maryland House of Delegates from District 12. Ms. Harris, thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're running for the House of Delegates.
3: I'm running, um, I just had a baby about five months ago, and my son is my inspiration. Um, definitely doing it for the family and uh, for his future and for the future of all the children in my district. Um, I want to make sure we have a very diverse district, um, especially where it comes to education. I want to make sure that regardless of zip code, everyone has an opportunity to learn in a safe environment. Um my background uh, is in event marketing, and up through last session, a little bit past, I worked for uh, a state senator
1: in Maryland as, as his chief of staff. Understood. Uh, well, congratulations, by the way. And Thank um, you. Tell me, for folks who aren't familiar, where is District 12 located?
3: Um, so it's parts of Baltimore, southwest Baltimore County, uh, through parts of Columbia, Elkridge, Ellicott City, and Howard County.
1: You touched on some of the reasons you're running. Tell us just tell us a little bit about the issues that you're running on or maybe some of the issues you're hearing about from the community as you go out and campaign.
3: Sure. Well everyone's big issue right now, which um, I may or may not get too much into, but is is you know the recent tragedy in Florida reignited um, everyone's passions on one side and the other of the the gun issue. Um, education's a big one. Right now, um, in the very recent news of Baltimore County, uh, a promise was broken by um, gubernatorial candidate Kevin Kamenetz for the Democrats. He um, sort of switched gears and decided to give full funding to Delaney High School in the Towson area for a brand-new high school. And Lansdowne is actually a lower facility score, and it's it's a lot worse. And they were the two on kind of the crucial list of we need – something done about this school and Lansdowne was offered renovations and up until maybe a week and a half ago before that they were both saying renovate they were going to renovate both of the schools and now they're saying they're going to give a full new high school to Delaney so people in Lansdowne are very upset they haven't had the same kind of voice for them that um the people the community of Delaney High School has had education
1: (laughs) sure well, let's, let's dig into those uh, those couple issues a little bit, and we can talk about some other things. Um, sure. Obviously, as you point out very correctly, the, the gun issue is front and center because of what's in the news. Everybody has their own view. A lot of the debate has, has been what we've been hearing for years. I'm curious to get your thoughts on uh, where you think the legislature should be going here in Maryland on that issue. Obviously, we have some pretty strict gun control laws. The governor's uh, announced recently he's in favor of some additional restrictions. He's opposed to some others. I'm curious where you come down on all that.
3: I wish I had the answer. The most important thing, obviously, you know, gun control aside, is making sure that children are safe. I have my opinions on what we can do to keep children safe. I can't guarantee I have the answer until we actually make an effort to do something um, It's all just a guessing game. It's all just people getting mad at each other. And that doesn't help anybody. That just keeps us distracted and delays any progress. Um, How I feel, obviously, is I'm in favor of protecting two-way constitutional rights. There's no question that the majority of gun owners are law-abiding citizens, and they have every right to bear arms based on our Constitution of the United States of America. That's one of the things that is you know i'm i'm someone who respects american exceptionalism i think we're the greatest country in the world um and our constitution and our protections and what makes us americans are something that we need to uphold um that being said <laughs> um I, I don't i don't I, I think that there should be i mean there was just so so many things that went into the incident In Florida you know there was a lot of times that police have been to the shooter's house that the complaints were given to the FBI there were so many things that had nothing to do with any law-abiding citizen owning a gun besides the coward who did and didn't help out when this you know that horrible thing that came out a couple days ago so taking guns from anyone isn't gonna solve anything um, until we get something done about you know reports taken seriously, and accountability, and even some more options for mental health treatment. These are my opinions. Sure. Again, I don't claim to know the answer. I'm not going to take any rights from anybody when I'm elected. That's anything that's protected, I'm going to honor. Um, that's how I feel about the gun issue.
1: <laughs> Well, let's switch gears a little bit to an issue that may not be quite as controversial, but certainly is very important and, and probably more complex, uh, the education issue that you mentioned. I'm curious, mm-hmm. you know, the very different views about how to approach public education in Annapolis. The governor has one view on on reforms he's trying to make, on uh, how, to, how to balance priorities in the budget. Obviously, he's spending uh, more than any other governor has. The Democrats say that's nowhere near enough. I'm curious, uh, as a member of the General Assembly, where you would come on that, uh, what reforms you think we need to make, where you see us as far as educational spending?
3: Well, the Democrats are always going to say it's never enough, because if they look like the bleeding hearts that care, they win the votes. Um, So they're just going to say, you know, think of the children. We need more. We need more. They're saying it's not enough because we're not seeing the kind of results we should expect to see spending $17,000 per child in Baltimore City. Obviously, you think with that sort of investment you'd get something out of it. Not saying we don't get something out of it, saying that once you pass administrative costs and trickles down to classrooms, and every teacher that I know, every teacher in my family, spends their own money on classroom supplies, that's just what ends up happening. They think, oh, there's a there's a need for something. I'm not getting the funding for it. I'm going to spend something on it. And it's got to be the government that is the reason I don't have the money for it. No, there's just, there's limited accountability again in education and where the money is going. That is something. Um, I did read something on initiative for Governor Hogan to increase accountability. And, you know, that's what happened last year during session is Um, He says, you know, Mayor Pew, you're not going to get any more money until we see what happened with this money that is missing, this money that we have been spending, this money that has come out of everyone's taxes to go towards a great investment, which is our children, and we're not seeing where this money went. How are there thousands and thousands of dollars missing? How are there teachers who are taking school funds um, out of an ATM at a casino and using it to play at the casino? I mean, that's that came out last year also it's just it's ridiculous um... you know I'm in favor of a balanced budget you know government is really about law and order I support law and I support order we're getting taxed We're, you know our property taxes are going towards schools we need to make sure that these schools are doing their jobs there's really nothing nothing else to say you know I don't believe in anarchy or chaos we are getting taxed and we are. I believe in a system of fairness, and I believe that with these taxes, that they go into a balanced budget, that we aren't borrowing from our children to educate our children. Um. Any other specific questions about what I've Well, about no. I,
1: I just want to give you a chance to talk about it, and of course, um, sure. You know, there are a lot of there are a lot of reforms beyond uh, the budget itself, which is obviously an important one that are being discussed. The governor's proposed. Uh, uh, essentially uh, auditing all of the, the counties, uh, every county's schools throughout the state uh, given the results of what was done with a similar audit in Prince George's County and the problems that have been going on in some other jurisdictions. I'm curious about that and if there are any other things that the General Assembly ought to be doing to improve education generally.
3: I really think that as long as we're making sure that the system that we have in place works um, and making sure that the money that we're spending is going to where it's supposed to go and not people's shiny new cars or whatever, then we are doing our jobs. Um, as far as some of the governor's reforms, um, for the most part I'm in, in favor of governor Hogan and the things that he's doing, he's definitely trying to take a very balanced approach to governorship. And I respect that. Um, <sighs> sorry. Um, I mean, I I know that there's you know something that came out the other day about a woman who came to Annapolis on behalf of her child in Baltimore City, and she heard back from the state that her seven, seventh grade child is uh, has the curriculum of first grade student, and she thought that it was completely unacceptable, and um, she came to testify in front of her senators who both weren't there from Baltimore City, um, so that's upsetting also. Our our Elected legislators should absolutely have be be there to fully support their constituents. Um, If someone cares enough to sit for hours to testify on something emotional to them and something that makes a lot of sense, you know, this is unacceptable. Um, They should have the respect of the people they elected to listen to them.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. Let, Let me let me change gears a little bit then. Um, you you mentioned uh, the kind of the reaction that, that folks in, in your district have. What is the what action you're getting when you're out there running, and, and how do they per- perceive the job Governor Hogan is doing?
3: There seems to be an overall favor on Governor Hogan. Um, people seem to generally and there's, there's you know small criticisms here and there, but that's pretty much anyone <laughs> you know you can't you can't please everyone, but overall it's it's very positive. It's pretty favorable. Um, you know, everyone does have their opinions on things with guns, but not everyone understands how the General Assembly works and how a lot of things that, you know, for people are pissed off about O'Malley and, you know, some things that he did. And they're saying, why can't Governor Hogan fix this already? He actually can't. He actually doesn't have the power over the General Assembly to just say, here's a new law. It has to go through the General Assembly, right. and it has to, you know, right now, which we're hoping a change in 2018. There's that Democratic majority, <laughs> um, which makes it really tough to get through some of these really needed changes in Annapolis. Um, some of the restrictions that O'Malley imposed that we want to sort of reverse, Governor Hogan actually cannot do as much as we wish he could. As much as we wish he could wave his wand and make it all go go right again, um, I think he's doing a great job, though. And it seems to also be the opinion of my neighbors in my community. Great. Well, um, he, yeah.
1: For folks who want to find out more about you and your campaign and maybe ask you some questions, how can they get in touch with you?
3: Thanks. Um, uh, more information is available on my website, harrisonthehouse.com, or Facebook or Twitter at uh, harris for md 12
1: And do you have any events coming up you want to let people know about?
3: Uh, the calendar is being crafted. I will absolutely
1: get in touch when I have some more events to, to share. Ah, Please do. All right. Well, Melanie Harris, running for the House of Delegates in District 12, thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you. You were listening to Maryland's most respected conservative voice, Red Maryland. You can subscribe to all of our Red Maryland Network programming on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and the TuneIn Radio app. You can also listen to the Red Maryland Network by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash Maryland. Or visit the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com.
1: Welcome back. We're joined now by Tony Campbell, who is running for the United States Senate from Maryland. Mr. Campbell, thanks for joining us.
0: I
4: appreciate it. Great. Thank you for having me.
1: Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you've decided to run for the United States Senate.
4: <laughs> well, I uh, I teach at, I teach politics and religion at Towson University, been there for 13 years, in I've been uh, active uh, since Ellen Seiberi's second run in, in 98 and, in fact, drove her around the state for most of that time. Um, so I've always kind of thought that a statewide race would be possible for a conservative African American, given you know, how the, the numbers work out, you know, with uh, the the uh, 20 counties that are red and the four that are not so red. Um you know, with the margins and, and how you know, that all plays out. So I've always had that thought experiment. And then, um, you know, of course, with uh, Bob and, and Larry, you know, Governor Ehrlich and Governor Hogan, um, you know, winning the way that they did, which, you know, kind of uh, when you have a um, uh, an experiment and then uh, people uh, actually achieve that experiment, that kind of gives it more visibility, you know, um, so, that's kind of the numbers of it, uh, but as, as far as my personal um, reason why I'm running is that there needs, there's issues that need to be talked about. Um, why, why, we're, why our ideology, why being a Republican, how does that message matter to people in their everyday life? Um, I think sometimes we use these buzzwords, liberty, freedom, uh, and equality, um personal responsibility and uh things that you know these terms that republicans understand but how does that make people's lives better for folks who are not republican for folks who are uh, that we're trying to get to understand why we think how we think Um, so issues like education and especially higher education and uh what we mean by um Economic uh, viability. Um, so I think those issues are the ones that I'm I'm focusing on. Those are the ones that are driving me to uh, run run a statewide race um, uh, because these issues are more uh, they're more applicable to a uh, a federal statewide race than it is to a you know state senator something along those lines.
1: Well, let me ask you, some folks may remember you from your uh, work with the group Republicans for Obama and your support of uh, President Obama in 2012. Do you want to talk about how you got involved with that group? Well, first it was 2008. I'm sorry, 2008, 2008, yes. Thank you.
4: Because in 2012, I was supporting Mitt Romney um, because uh, President Obama failed in his his leadership. Um, In 2008, I understand that it was 40 years after the uh, assassination of Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King Jr., and Malcolm X in this country had an opportunity to add, to elect someone who looked like me, being an African American. Um, you know, it, it was historic. You know, and I make no bones about that. You know, you know, I I bit on the on the hype and and I uh, wrote some posts on the blog. I didn't I didn't get paid for it. I wasn't a surrogate or anything like that. I was acting as a private citizen. I wasn't on a central committee or representing the Republican Party. I was Tony Campbell, you know. And last time I checked, the Constitution allows us to act as individuals. So, you know, in 2012, well, actually in 2010, when uh, in looking at it from a political scientist standpoint, that there were actions that the president could have done um, that could have, you know, taken us to a Post-partisan, post-racial world, or at least country, and he failed to do that. In fact, it got worse. Um, at that point, I decided to not not support him anymore and support, you know, go back to, you know, supporting, of course, Mitt Romney in 2012. So that's just, that's that's the story on what happened in 2008.
1: Let's talk about some of these issues you mentioned. Um, the uh... Trying to communicate how conservatism affects people's everyday lives, what do you mean when you say that or what kind of things do you talk about
4: Well we talk we go into this whole liberal uh, speak of jobs jobs providing jobs and you know the way I see jobs is is it's a means to an end it's a way of getting income a way of uh, having a means of exchange. You take money out of your pocket to go buy something. It's not creating legacy. It's not creating wealth. It's not being successful. It's subsisting. It's not success. And I think we as Republicans need to be better about about if we're really talking about people making their lives better and to um, to grow and to and to have that independence. Then we shouldn't be talking the same language as as Democrats do. You know. Yeah, you know, so I think we do ourselves a disservice by limiting what we mean by um, what we what we mean by economic viability, what we mean by um, you know individual prerogative and individual freedom. You know, that for me means success, not just getting by.
1: Okay, you you mentioned education as well. What are some what are some uh, prerogatives as a U.S. senator you'd like to see to uh, the educational system in the country?
4: Well, there's two things. Uh, you know, the higher, for higher ed, I think that we uh, we as a country has given given a lot of uh, autonomy to higher education. We're doing a you know 20th century model in the 21st century world. We tell these kids that they need to get a four year degree to be competitive. Unfortunately, most of them you know getting getting a get in the university they get a degree they don't work in the field that they're stu- that they study as their major they get out of there with you know six figure student loan debt and the only folks that are really benefiting from it are tenured professors and you know administration um, and then on top of that we have a, a system that at least you know gets three uh, revenue streams from tax dollars you know where you're talking about research grants uh, student loans and uh, capital funding that happens through the state. You know, we I think we're doing our our students a disservice by the way that we by the way we're doing higher education. So what I what I'm proposing is that um, you know that if these these institutions want to keep getting these taxpayer funding tax taxpayer funds, that they shouldn't be allowed to raise tuition rates unless there's a referendum just like any other tax increase, you know, because that's what's actually impacting, you know, that because I think the student loan bubble is going to be worse than the housing bubble. Um, but, you know, we, we you know, higher education is probably the, I, I think, is the third rail of American politics. It's not Social Security or, or Medicare or Medicaid anymore. It's higher education, and until somebody actually talks about it in, and tries to and advocate for changing the way we do higher education is going to keep it's going to just keep mushrooming. Um, uh, K twelve is you know the ninth and tenth amendments. You know I, I teach the Constitution. The ninth tenth, ninth and tenth amendments allows for the states to you know, it gives the states the authority to run K twelve education throughout this country. Um, but I think this I think the national government has a fiduciary responsibility to to make to also make sure that. These schools are providing quality education, you know, for our children, and to sit on our hands, both the state and the national government, and let these local, you know, LEAs, um, you know, disenfranchise these children, and then and then in in turn, you know, 20 years from now, we're paying on the back end as far as c- the criminal justice system and and you know, crime and the other things that we talk about as Republicans, you know, we're failing not only we're letting adults fail these children, and you know i'm not i'm not about this life of of you know being nice to adults because they're failing children you know i think what early you know what governor Ehrlich did back in the day as far as you know if there was a failing school system to take over that school system i think it's the state's constitutional responsibility to do so um, you know, i'm all for limited government just like everybody, every other you know conservative republican but i'm also for effective limited government and we've, we've seen, you know, I ran for city council president in 1999 against Sheila Dixon, talking about the same issues that we're talking about today the, the waste, the fraud, the abuse of what's happening in Baltimore City, Prince George's County, I was talking about that in 1999. We have not moved the needle one bit. That's a failure of leadership. That's, you know, patting adults on the a, on a, on a, on a hand saying, oh, it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not acceptable. And we need to, we need to be about the business of, of making sure that our, our
1: children are educated. Well, let me ask you, as you go out and campaign, I'm curious to get uh, what reaction you're getting. Obviously, uh, Ben Cardin's been in Maryland politics for a long time and is and this seems to be in a fairly strong position. What kind of reaction do you get in your campaign? And what are you hearing folks say about Governor Hogan?
4: Um, I think the... Cardin is a, a bit of an enigma. I mean, he's been around. He was first elected in 1967. Now, all the folks that I talk to, of course, they're all Republicans. You know, they they are not. Uh, they want to, you know him to be retired. Um, but I think the more interesting thing is the is the Chelsea Manning situation. Um, I don't think uh, Cardin is as uh, strong in a strong as strong as position as other as people think that he is otherwise why do you helicopter Chelsea Manning into this state um, if, if you don't think that he is vulnerable from the progressive side now I, I think that Manning will probably raise several million dollars um, now the question is what kind of traction is, is Manning going to get versus Cardin if it's going to be thirty percent or 40 percent um, you know I, I think that both are real realistic possibilities. Which means that he spends money, which he's never done in a primary. Um, so whoever comes out of the Republican primary, you know, that's that's beneficial. Um, what you know, what you know, I have to do is make a case that, uh, you know, speaking to uh, Governor Hogan, you know, another reason why I'm running, and, and Greg, you pre- and I'm sure you know this, is that since you know, when every time that the race gets tight, the Democrats pull out one card, it's the race card, you know, and they all say that. You know, we're turning back. We're turning back the clock. We're going back to Jim Crow days. Women are not going to have any rights. We're going to kick dogs and cats down the street because we're just mean Republicans. You know. Um, you know, I think that. You know, it's it's imperative for somebody to get out there and to call them out on their on their crap. You know. Um, you know, four years ago, I sat in a room with Steve Krim, and uh, and and you know, Steve was out staying and I said, "Look, this is what this is what's going to happen." my advice to you is don't bite don't respond and to their credit to their campaign's credit they didn't respond to that um they're going to try it again because that's the only quiver that they have in their in, in, in their in their uh their bow that they have in their quiver is the only arrow they got so um for the most part you know i you know there's some folks that are um you know think that you know the governor's not conservative enough you know, that, that, that kind of stuff. But I would say 90% of people that I talk to, they're, you know, they're ready for reelection. You know, I always talk about redistricting and how that's important, you know how, it's, you know, how we should be playing chess instead of checkers. You know, back in 2012 with Neil Parrott and Michael Huff and some other folks and Alex Mooney when he was state party chairman, you know, we put the uh, petition together to, for redistricting. And people were like, oh, people are not going to get it. It's a, it's inside baseball You know, people are not going to understand redistricting and reapportionment and all that stuff. But, you know, we decided just to show people the map, how jacked up it was. And we got 80,000 signatures. We only needed 55,000. So people understand um, kind of the nuance of why redistricting is so important, how if we can even make the lines fair, not not even tilt it towards Republicans, just make it fair, we'll probably we'll pick up probably two congressional seats um, you know if we go to single member districts as far as the house as far as the house, uh, house of delegates we'll pick up a lot more but the way that they've got you know the state uh, gerrymandered it's 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 pretty much you know it's limiting us to our lowest common denominator of seats
1: well for folks who want to find out more about your campaign or ask you some questions how can they get more information
4: our website is marylandcom two L's like the soup the number four Maryland spelled out.com Facebook page the same handle Campbell for Maryland um, We have a event kickoff event coming up March 6 uh, in White Marsh and that's on the website as well and and we're every day man every day we're getting out there and talking to people and uh, and trying to explain why. Our campaign is the best shot of uh, getting rid of Ben Cardin.
1: Well, Tony Campbell, running for the United States Senate for Maryland, thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks, Greg. Do you think public buildings in the state of Maryland are unsafe for birds? Yes, birds, what well, your lawmakers in Annapolis do. In fact, they've introduced House Bill 986, which would require the Department of General Services to establish standards for public buildings to, quote, minimize adverse impacts on birds. Yes, that's the exact language from the bill. Well, whether you think this is a good idea or a complete waste of time, there's a new app that makes engaging your elected officials on issues like this one easier than ever. It's called Civics, spelled C-V-X, and it puts government in the palm of your hand. With Civics, you can do a number of things, including read the full, unaltered text of bills making their way through Annapolis, get direct phone numbers and emails for your legislators there, and even keep track of upcoming elections and research who is running. Civics is the last political app you will ever need. You'll have no more excuses to not contact your elected officials and hold them accountable. And part of the app proceeds go to support nonpartisan civic literacy efforts. It's easy to download. Just go to www.cvx4u.com. That's cvx4u.com to download it. The iPhone version is out now. The Android version will be coming out this spring again that's www.cvx the number for you, .com. civics it puts government in the palm of your hand
0: you were listening to maryland's most respected conservative voice
1: red maryland welcome back we're joined now by kevin leary who is running for the house of delegates from district 8 uh mr leary thanks for joining us thank you for having me tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're running for the house of delegates
5: well um I, uh, when I graduated high school, I, I, uh, I joined the military at 17 years of age and I, and I took the oath and I believe that oath still exists and hasn't expired. You know, after I got out of the military, I, I was in the police department for uh, about 10 years and, um, continued to community service. And I left the police department in 2006 and started working in the private sector as a fraud and abuse investigator. And now I am a, a small business owner doing investigations for uh, insurance companies and, and the like. And uh, I just feel like, like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel like I, I belong in public service and serving the community, and that's what I want to do. Um, I, I see what's going on all around us, especially in, you know, Baltimore County with all the crime growing and the schools just deteriorating and i i just don't want to sit back and and be quiet about it anymore so i want to run and do
1: something about it well you mentioned you're in baltimore county for folks who aren't familiar with district Eight, what communities does that include
5: uh that would be uh perry hall white marsh overly hillendale rosedale rossville basically northeast baltimore county um on the northeast corner of baltimore city so
1: you touched on a couple things uh in your introduction there what are some of the issues that you are running on or what are some of the issues you're hearing from folks as you've been campaigning around the district
5: well the main issues in in the district that i've been hearing are just issues with school safety and uh the just the education in itself the teachers feeling unsafe in the schools and the students feeling unsafe in the schools. And um, also, you know, the small business community is, is we the governor has started Maryland back on a path of helping small businesses, but we're not there yet. You know, there's way too many restrictions on on small businesses and that just needs to be relaxed. So the small business can grow and our economy will grow along with it. But my main concern really at this point is the school safety issue. Um, We we have a serious problem in our schools, and the the bad actors are not being held accountable for what they're doing and causing the good students who actually want to be there and get an education to feel unsafe. And everybody's concerned about the rights of these bad actors. They have rights. They have rights. That's all I hear when I talk to the school board. Well, what about the rights? of those people, who those kids that are in school who want to get an education, who want to feel safe and have a good place to go to school. Nobody's concerned about their rights. And that's, that's my main issue right here in our district.
1: What are some things you think that the legislature can do or should do to help improve that situation?
5: Well, um, about a week ago we had a, a town hall meeting with, with Delegate Christian Muley at Perry Hall High School, and we discussed several Bills that he is a, he is introducing this year that would help with uh, trying to cap or or stop the the school violence issue or the the safety issues with the anti-bullying and the he has a he has an anti-bullying bill which is it's it's a task force to try to discover ways that we can stop the bullying and stop the kids from feeling that they can't go to school. Um, and also there's another bill that he's introduced about, uh, suspending the licenses of these bad actors who don't, or who don't follow the rules and they bring weapons to school and that things like that. I feel like the legislature can do to help the county. I know it's a, it's a county issue. Um, the legislator really can't do much besides Advise them, you know, of the issues and and try to help them to solve them. But I, I don't. I mean, I I am trying to help Christian get these bills to go through to at least make a start on getting something done here to make it safer for the kids.
1: You mentioned uh, improving small business and reducing regulation to improve the economy. Are there some specific ideas currently in the legislature that you'd like to see? that could help improve the ability of small business to thrive in Maryland?
5: Well, not nothing in particular. Nobody's really introduced anything in particular this year to help small businesses. Uh, I know the governor is, is, is working on several ways to try to lower the regulations and fees that small businesses would have to pay in order to operate in the state of Maryland, which uh, we all know, you know, the more fees, the businesses have to, to pay the less the businesses are going to want to be, want to be in the state so i think you know if we just go through and and look at all these regulations and fees that the businesses have to pay and try to get rid of the ones that aren't really necessary um and then the new regulations i i think there's one coming out where they're requiring uh restaurants to use recyclable food containers and I don't have a, a problem per se with using recyclable food containers or packaging for environmental issues my, my issue is why are we not holding the people responsible who are doing the polluting you know I mean we're, we're, we're gonna try to hold these business owners who are just trying to make a living and improve the economy and employ people responsible for other people's actions we can't continue to have other people's actions be the responsibility of good, tax-paying citizens.
1: Well, you, uh, a lot of the issues you're talking about, of course, are issues that are that are important to folks all over the state. Are there some specific issues that are of of particular concern to folks in the eighth district uh, that you're out talking about? Most
5: of the most of the folks in the eighth district are really concerned about the school safety. Um, they they do talk a lot about. Uh, business, the businesses that are coming into the district. Um, I know a lot of the people have issues with some of the pharmacies that are that are building in our district. Um, I don't have a problem with free enterprise. Uh, You know, if a pharmacy wants to build a pharmacy directly across the street from another pharmacy and have, you know, a good business competition going on. That's up to them. It's their money. They're spending it, and they're employing people. So um, I just i i don't i think the free market will take care of itself.
1: Well, let me ask you: Have you been, but, as you've been out campaigning, what kind of response you're getting, and and what's the response that folks you're talking to have for uh, the job Governor Hogan is doing?
5: I'll tell you. Uh, uh, 99% of the people I speak to in, in my district are very happy with the job that governor Hogan's doing. Um, he, they speak highly of him. Uh, it's what he's doing is, has been good all the way around. Uh, he's the bills that he's introduced this year, especially the term limit bill. Everybody seems to be behind. Um, and at least in the eighth district, I'm behind the term limit bill. I, I plan on term limiting myself. Honestly, if I, if I can't do, what I need to do in three terms, then I shouldn't be there. Um, so if after three terms, I'm done, I will go back to my, just like the Constitution and the forefathers planned, you know, you go and you serve your, your country or your community and you go back to your farm. I'm going to go back to my business after three terms and run my business. So. It is, it, it, that's the way it was built. That's the way it was supposed to be built. And I believe that term limits is, is a good thing. Um, everything else from, from the gun issues to, uh, I mean, honestly, most of the people in this district that I talk to are for the second amendment. Um, I agree with them. I believe that, uh, you know, the Maryland state police should have a good and substantial reason to not give you a handgun permit instead of the other way around. Uh, i don't I, I think a a good citizen who has no criminal background that wants to carry a gun should be able to carry a gun if he wants to as long as he passes the background checks. I don't believe that you know they should have to give the state police a good and substantial reason, and that's what I'm hearing from the constituents in my district is that's how they feel um, it's it's just it's not right it should be a shall issue thing as long as you don't have anything in the back in your background that can stop you from having a gun. You should be able to have a gun to protect yourself. But as far as, as the, the the main issue that I get in my district is the school problem and everybody is behind Hogan and, and they want him back in office. Uh, He's, he's definitely doing a great job. According to everybody here in the eighth district.
1: Well, for folks who might have some more questions for you or or talk to you a little bit more or support your campaign, where can they get more information?
5: Well, you can go to my Facebook page, which is Kevin Leary for Maryland 2018. um, Or you can go hit me on Twitter, Kevin Leary for Maryland 2018. uh, And you can send me emails at Kevin Leary for Maryland at Yahoo.com. Or you can send me letters and donations to P.O. Box. Six one Perry Hall, Maryland two one one two eight.
1: And do you have any events coming up you want to let people know about? I do not have any that are scheduled
5: right now. We're working on a few that will be out in the next couple of weeks.
1: Uh, are you going to be in the community somewhere people can can see you? Did you want to let people um, know? About?
5: I am at just about every community meeting there is. I will be actually at the Republican Women's. Republican women of Baltimore County's event on Wednesday at High Tops in Timonium for uh, discussion on the opioid
1: epidemic. Well, we'll encourage people to six thirty. Okay. Well, we'll encourage people to uh, reach out and and get in touch with you, Kevin Leary, running for the House of Delegates from District Eight. Thank you for spending some time with us today. And thank you for having me.
0: You were listening to Maryland's most respected conservative voice, Red Maryland.
1: Welcome back. We're joined now by Justin. Kinsey, who is running for the Maryland House of Delegates in District 42B, Justin. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're running for the House of Delegates. Well, I'm
6: uh, born and raised in Northern Baltimore County. Uh, graduated, of, uh, excuse me, graduated from public schools in Baltimore County, uh, Hereford High School, uh, 2004, and you know had my first of job experience when I was 14 years old. I've been working ever since. Didn't end up going to college. I've kind of led the uh, the blue-collar life, which you know, has allowed me to, I guess, obtain a different perspective on our economy, on the education system in this country, in this state specifically. Uh, and I, I want to be able to uh, ensure that the people who live in this district, who live in this state, that they have representation that understands daily challenges that they face, that they have representation that understands that we can't cling to old solutions. You know, if we're going to have a progressive economy, if we're going to have a workforce that's able to keep up with today's demands, uh, we need to have people who are trained how to do certain things. We need to have people who are educated and we need to have the ability uh, to raise our families in, in safe areas. We need to have the ability to you know, basically maintain that, uh, that American dream that you know, I was brought up believing. I still think that exists, but I, I do think needs uh, some assistance in being maintained.
1: Well, if folks aren't familiar with District 42B, where is that located and what communities are included in that district? Uh, so that is a pretty sprawling district.
6: Uh, it goes all the way from the Carroll County, York County, Baltimore County corner uh, up in the northwest part of the county, and it kind of goes in a diagonal slash all the way down to Parkville. So we have everything from Parkville, Kearney, Simone Lutherville, Towson, Cockeysville, Hereford, uh, bits of Moncton, bits of Parkton, a little bit of the Freeland area, so it really does, you know encompass a very wide swath of population with, you know, varying uh, living situations. Uh, you have rural, you have suburban, uh, you know, basically right up to the, to the city line almost. So it's a, it's a very wide district with a uh, very wide array of issues.
1: Well, let's talk about those. What are some of the issues you're running on in your campaign and what are the things you're hearing about as you go around and talk to uh, citizens in the district?
6: The so people keep on coming up with the same concerns, and frankly, these are things that, when I first decided that I was going to run, you know, these are all issues that you know, I looked at as my primary concerns as well, as a you know as a citizen and as a voter. Now, these issues include education. People do not feel like education that they received through the public school system is the same education that their children are receiving. They think that it's watered down. That the standards aren't what they used to be, that the discipline in schools is not what it used to be. And I have to 100% agree with them. Uh, I spent two years uh, working as a teacher in the Baltimore City school system. From that experience, you know, even though it's a completely different school system than in Baltimore County, but as a teacher trying to teach uh, children of today's generation, it, it's very difficult when you don't feel that you have the uh, support of administration when it comes to uh, getting kids to adhere to rules and to structure and to you know have support when it comes to discipline, those those things are are very important. And I think that you know, with recent events nationally, that you know, our ability to maintain better control of what's going on in our schools uh, is, is paramount. Uh, in addition to that, people are concerned about their health care, specifically uh, the cost of health care. My full-time job is in the healthcare industry. I, I run an ambulance company. We work with doctors and hospitals and nursing homes. We, we cross the whole spectrum of health care. And every single person that works in healthcare. care they all have some of the very same concerns when it comes to the cost of doing business, uh, the cost of providing care to patients, issues with being reimbursed by health insurance companies, and you know just the the overall way that health care is executed nowadays. It, it's very inefficient, and there's a lot of waste. And you know, to Maryland's credit, you know we have a, a different approach towards paying uh, hospitals specifically for the way that they provide healthcare care to patients. I, I think that those are the types of models and, and the you know, mentality of overall saving costs by providing care in more efficient ways. Uh, those are models that need to be replicated throughout the entire system. So you know, we have some things that are going on in the state that are good when it comes to health care, but you know, we have to take these uh, best practices, and make sure that we're able to apply those practices across the spectrum and make sure that we're able to uh, reap the benefits and and savings uh, of implementing those changes. Additionally, we have a lot of folks who are very concerned about where their dollars, their state tax dollars are going. And every time you hear about how this program spent you know, this amount of money on something that turns out to be a big waste, you know, the the fact that the administrative costs for the Baltimore City public school system is the highest cost per student in the country, outranking cities such as uh, Miami and New York that have far uh, more diverse and expansive populations than than Baltimore uh, with, with, you know, seemingly much greater issues, the fact that those uh, administrative dollars the funding that Baltimore City receives is over 65% of their funding is from state, state tax dollars. When you hear something like that and you hear about how they're not spending their money appropriately, that makes me as a taxpayer concerned and it makes other taxpayers concerned as well. People want accountability. I believe that we need to audit every state tax dollar that is being used to fund every program. I believe that we need to go to a zero-based budgeting system where programs are being uh, put through a uh, kind of a a proving ground process where we're only continuing to fund things that actually work versus writing off uh, or writing blank checks for these programs for you know x amounts of years or you know until someone finally raises enough of a stink to, to eliminate the expenditure I think that we just need to do a better job of uh, approaching how we spend money. We need to do a better job of holding people who spend that money accountable. And we need to make sure that the people who are taxpayers in this state feel more like shareholders because ultimately that's what we are. And if we thought about the way we spend money more like a business that has to report back to the people who have stake in that business, I think we would spend our money much more wisely.
1: Well, let me ask you, as you're going around and campaigning in the district, what's the response that you're getting, and what are people saying about Governor Hogan and the job he's doing?
6: Overwhelmingly, the Governor Hogan's approval uh, is you know as high as what we're hearing in the polls. Uh, it, people are mostly satisfied. You know, in certain parts of the district uh, where folks are a bit more uh, social conservative, there are some concerns that – he hasn't uh, been as hard-lined on certain issues as they would like to see him. Uh, personally, I think that it's important for us to focus on uh, what are achievable goals and what our long-term goals as a Republican Party should be. We need to ensure that Governor Hogan gets re-elected because when the 2020 census is performed and the next redistricting process occurs, we do not want to find ourselves in the same situation that we have For the decades prior where we are continually marginalized as a party and i think that you know voters in this district as much as they may disagree on certain social issues uh overwhelmingly agree that governor hogan needs to be reelected, and are going to do what they need to in order to make sure that that happens
1: well for folks who want to find out more about your campaign i'm sure there's lots of uh questions they might have for you and uh to show you some support how can they get in touch with you uh, they can do a couple of different
6: things. Uh, I have a website, uh, justinkinsey.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, you know, I uh, am more than happy to come out and speak to any uh, community groups, any small groups of people. Um, you know, I have people who will just you know, write me random emails and have uh, you know, various questions. I try to get back to folks as quickly as I can. You know, my ultimate goal is to meet with as many people and hopefully convince as many folks as I possibly can that you know ultimately, I have the type of background that's going to be necessary to make sure that they are represented well and to make sure that you know the issues that are most concerning to them are handled with the level of seriousness that they actually need to be handled. I'm not going to be someone who just goes up and spouts a bunch of uh, rhetoric. I'm not going to be in empty suits. I'm going to be somebody who actually is in there fighting every day to make sure that the things that are important to the voters are taken
1: care of. Well, do you have any events coming up? Or are you going to be attending any events where people can get a chance to meet you?
6: I'm actually uh, in the process of coordinating a couple of candidate forums in Baltimore County in our district. I'm going to be attending a various number of events uh, for a couple other candidates that are running in our district. Uh, Jimmy Mathis, who's running for state senate, uh, Ed Hale, who is running for uh, county council, you know, both uh, you know, great gentlemen who uh, would do a great job in those positions. Uh, so I, I'm I'm going to be around, you know, whether it's an event of myself or an uh, event of somebody else that uh, is going to do a great job in their respective races, um, I'll, I'm there.
1: Well, we'll put a link up to your website at redmaryland.com as well, and people can go check it out. Uh, Justin Kinsey, running for the House of Delegates in District 42B, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time.
0: You can subscribe to all of our Red Maryland Network programming on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and the TuneIn Radio app. You can also listen to the Red Maryland Network by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash maryland, or visit the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com.
1: Welcome back. Thank you for listening and thank you again to all of our candidates tonight. Melanie Harris, Tony Campbell, Kevin Leary, Justin Kinsey. There are links at their, to their websites at uh, redmaryland.com and our show post. I encourage you to check them all out and uh, support them. Uh, again, if you're a candidate or know somebody who is a candidate, reach out to us. We'd love to have you on a future installment of Red Maryland's Election Focus. Give us an email, redmaryland at gmail.com. Uh, and the uh, you know the filing deadline is coming up, so we're getting lots of folks filing. We've got a lot of candidates out there. We want to try to interview as many of them as we can. Slots are filling up, but we've got a lot of time to fill between now and the June primary particularly. So please do reach out to us, redmaryland at com, And uh, for those of you listening, please check out our new installments every week of Red Maryland's Election Focus. Share them with your friends on social media. And uh, the the one feedback that we get all the time from Red Maryland readers and listeners is that they don't know enough about the candidates. And so this show and some other things we're going to be doing at redmaryland.com are our best effort to try to alleviate that. But we need your help to get that word out to let people know what we're doing at redmaryland.com. And we need you to go and listen to our shows and read what we're posting at redmaryland.com. Go back often because we'll be updating on a regular basis. And we'd love to get your feedback as well. Let me tell you how you can give us your feedback. Of course, you can always email us, good old-fashioned electronic mail, redmaryland at gmail.com. You can comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash redmaryland. We're on Twitter at redmaryland. And, of course, we're on all the social media. Just search redmaryland. You can find us there. If you enjoy this show, I need to tell you we have lots of great programming here on the Red Maryland Network. Sunday nights. Uh, Brian Griffiths hosts a show called The Air Raid, where he strafes you with news and comment. Tuesday night is a show I host called The Conservative Refuge. Thursday night, Brian and I host the flagship show of our network, Red Maryland Radio. And, of course, now every Saturday, an all-new installment of Red Maryland's Election Focus. You can get all of our great Red Maryland network programming on the uh, wherever you get podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, the Google Play Store, the TuneIn Radio app. It's all absolutely free. Just search Red Maryland and the Red Maryland Network, and you'll find your programming there. Again, please subscribe. Give us your feedback. Let your friends know about it. As we approach the election season, a lot of people are going to want to know who these candidates are, where they stand, who they should vote for, and we're going to do everything we can to get you that information here at redmaryland.com. So we encourage you to share that with others. With that, let me again thank you for listening. Thank you again to our candidates. And this is Greg Klein saying, hang in there. We will get there.